0: Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Back to the Arrow Cave, Barry
1: presents his findings, King enters Danger Street, Dickie Dauntless takes a hike, and Junkyard Joe has PTSD. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, January 8th, 2023. I'm Mark.
2: And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher, where you can leave us a review.
1: You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. At this point, I would normally note that we have four weeks of comics to cover, but in this case, it's only three, as there was nothing in my poll this week. This is either a sign of the comic industry collapsing or me being more selective or both.
2: Well, if it's you being more selective, you're being very good at being selective.
1: Stargirl, The Lost Children, number 2 of 6 by Johns, Knock, and Herms. Red Arrow and Stargirl are breaking into the Arrow Cave. We're reminded that the Golden Age Ollie and the current one, who might be dead in continuity, are the same person as Oliver was sent back in time. Now, Green Arrow has long been considered as a Batman knockoff, and the splash page really drives this home. We see the Arrow Car, Arrow Boat, and Aeroplane, a gallery of Green Arrow villains, the truck driven by Ollie and Hal during the 1970s hard-driving heroes saga, what appears to be Green Arrow Incorporated, kind of like Batman Incorporated with international variants, statues of Hal, Dinah, and Mia, a giant hourglass, and a display of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. They talk about the need to find Wing and the other missing sidekicks, and Red Arrow goes into her origin story. Kidnapped as a baby, taken to an island, growing up alone there, and how no one came looking for her.
2: Well, I have to point out, too, that Stargirl says, What? He really wanted to be Batman, didn't he? They take the arrowboat to track down a location in the Diablo Triangle. More talk about the missing sidekicks is followed by Courtney hearing ghostly voices. You're too close. Suddenly, an apparition of airwave says, I'm trapped. The child minder must stay away. As a lightning bolt hits the ship, knocking them into the sea. They seem to lose their memories for a moment, and Stargirl's staff, a.k.a. Cosmo, is knocked out. They make it to an island apparently composed of Miraclo. Drones attack them, and Red Arrow is nabbed. Stargirl almost suffers the same fate before she's saved by Wing? He's surrounded by Airwave, Cherry Bomb, and Robot Dog. Wing has a plan to escape, but Robot Dog is skeptical. I think it's time we all faced reality. There's only one way off this enchanted rock for the living. Death.
1: Dark Crisis Big Bang One-Shot by Wade, Jerkins, Ratman, and Blee. Until this point, I've avoided the Dark Crisis event like the Plague, I had to get off the carousel of crises, which seemed to be forgotten weeks later, but this issue, part of the wrap-up of the event, intrigued me, because it's basically codifying the recreated multiverse. Flash, Barry, is searching for Anti-Monitor, who of course killed him in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Barry shows Wallace, Kid Flash, a map of the multiverse, noting that the old limiter of 52 Earths is gone. So now, they have to find the anti-monitor among all those worlds and stop him once and for all. This is all just a framing device to show us. Earth-23 with President Obama-Superman. Earth-118, Dark Knights of Steel. Earth-22, Kingdom Come. Earth-27, Jurassic League. Earth-55, Deceased. Earth-43, Batman and Dracula, Red Rain. Earth-9, Tangent. Earth-18 Justice Riders, Earth-162, where Superman and Batman are split into two beings, a.k.a. Superman, Red, Superman, Blue, and Earth-33 Our World, where heroes are actually just fictional.
2: And Earth-28 DC Mech, where they find Anti-Monitor. Barry runs around the world, building up momentum to smash Anti-Monitor and showing us glimpses of Earth-6, just imagine Stan Lee, Earth-24 DC Bombshells. Earth-10, Freedom Fighters, Earth-3, The Crime Syndicate, Earth-93, Dakotaverse, Earth-41, Analogues to Image Heroes, Earth-49, Injustice, Earth-66, which is Batman 66, Earth-789, Superman 78, Batman 89. Anti-Monitor Blast, back on Earth-4, the Charlton Universe, and they duke it out on Earth-20, Society of Superheroes, and Earth-17, Atomic Knights where it appears Anti-Monitor is about to win when a legion of heroes from throughout the multiverse arrive. We get a swipe of the classic Crisis on Infinite Earths cover with heroes attacking a huge Anti-Monitor now with multiversal heroes. Barry has a plan. Find a portal to the antimatter universe. Flash runs around the world for another punch to send Anti-Monitor into the portal. Keep Anti-Monitor busy while this is all happening, which all goes to plan. Barry accepts that he will have to go into the portal, too, before Emerald Knight, from one of the first Elseworld tales, Bruce is chosen by Aben Sur's Green Lantern Ring, pulls him back. And the story just kind of ends there. Oh, how did we identify all these worlds? Barry was good enough to include a two-page table at the end, listing those and many others. And speaking of obscure D.C. references...
1: Danger Street, book one from D.C. Black Label by King, Fournays, and Stewart. In the 70s, DC had a series called First Issue Special. Supposedly, this was based on editor Carmine Infantino's observation that number one issues sold well, so why not just make a whole series of them? It was a tryout anthology of new or restyled characters similar to the showcase title of the 60s. So why not just do one-shots or actual specials? Well, The comic distribution process at the time was almost totally based on newsstand sales, and they would only stock ongoing titles. So what does this all have to do with Danger Street? Tom King decided to create a story featuring all the otherwise forgotten characters from First Issue Special.
2: We begin in a bar where an unseen character is getting a drink, setting a bowling bag on the counter, and removing Dr. Fate's helmet. First Issue Special, Issue 9. The helmet begins telling a story in the classic tone. Once upon a time, in a far-off kingdom, a kid gang named the Dingbats of Danger Street, issue 6, are driving a dune buggy out of town where a princess named Lady Cop, issue 4, yay 70s feminism, stops them as they are underage. The gang argues among themselves as they try to get the cop to let them go. In the Far East, New York City, an ogre, a.k.a. The Creeper, Issue 7, is taking out an assailant with extreme prejudice. Later, Jack Ryder, Creeper's other identity, gets a call from his agent about a commentator gig at the national level. At a diner, two princes, the alien Mikkel Thomas' Starman, Issue 12, and Warlord, Issue 8, are awaiting a third person who turns out to be Metamorpho, Issue 3. He's the one with Dr. Fate's helmet, and he paid an arm literally for it. There's a lot of arguing and they go out to Metamorpho's car. In a mystical chamber, Manhunter, issue 5, is getting his marching orders involving a hunt for an evil that has been coming for a hundred generations. Unfortunately, that evil is in the form of children.
1: Back to the dingbats who got Lady Cop to let them go. They're racing around nearby dunes. Also driving are the trio with Fate's helmet with grand plans to use it to get into the JLA. Back to Jack Ryder, who has an audition for the commentator job and goes off on a spiel about the crime tax, how everyone has to pay for the catching, prevention, and anticipation of crimes. The producers are impressed and tell Jack to go back to his hotel room. Back to Lady Cop, now playing cards and remembering a murder case in her early days. Back to the boys in the helmet in the desert, about to do an incantation while talking about how great it will be to join the league. Back to the Dingbats, with one of them getting sick and vomiting on the sand. The others get impatient
2: and leave him there. Jack Ryder is called back to meet the heads of the network, who are pretty young. Back to the helmet, and we learn that the plan is to transport Darkseid, issue 13, using the helmet to him and take him to the JLA. Sounds easy. Instead, they transport Atlas, issue 1 there, who keeps screaming, the sky is falling, and attacks. Warlord eventually skewers him. Then Starman hears a sound behind him and instinctively fires a bolt. Unfortunately, it's the sick member of the Dingbats and he is killed. Back to Jack Ryder, who meets his new bosses. The Green Team, Issue 2, Boy Billionaires. They're on a mission to stop a terrorist group called the Outsiders, Issue 10. Not the Batman Team of the 80s. We see shots of all of our characters while we hear the dingbats call Lady Cop about their friend's demise. So the princess answered the call and rode off to the aid of her good subjects. But she did not yet know what terrors awaited her in the harsh and searing sand of the western desert. To be continued. Based on the wiki for first issue special, we only need codename Assassin to make an appearance to complete the set. Now Mark, this is really a typical Tom King story based on what we've been seeing so far. Right. Do you think he just has a blank check with DC right now? <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> well,
1: also, this is a great way to do a bunch of check-offs of, oh, okay, copyright resu- oh. resume of these characters. So
2: they might like they they might be encouraging him to do this sort of <laughs> I thing. I wonder.
1: Miracle Man, The Silver Age Number 3 from Marvel by Gaiman, Buckingham, Belair, and Klein. We have reached the first issue that was not previously published. Gaiman and Buckingham did produce the original version of this issue, but it was never published as Eclipse Comics collapsed in 1994. Young Miracle Man, a.k.a. Dickie Dauntless, having flown away after Miracle Man kissed him, crashes in the Himalayas. He has a dream where Kid Miracle Man, a.k.a. Johnny Bates, talks about theology and how Miracle Man set up his version. It's based on the Greek pantheon, except Miracle Man propagated via frozen ampules of his sperm. Dicky wakes up to a hiker rescuing him. It's lucky I saw your flare, Dicky's explosive crash. They talk about why they're out there. The hiker wants to meet Caxton, a.k.a. Mr. Master, the first human to be transformed into a superhuman. The Demolisher and Meta Maid arrive on a flying bike and take them the rest of the way, with Dickie forced to hold on to the scantily clad girl. They are given rooms at a retreat, and Dickie has more dreams, starting with erotic images, then Miracle Man acting like the classic version I've come to release you from this nightmare world of evil imposters. Before Kid Miracle Man breaks in, Oh, Dickie. You can't go home again. He then tells Dick that he is, indeed, dead.
2: The next day, they continue up the mountain. Meta May dumped the demolisher. The hiker mentions that they have treatments now for dream issues post-London, and that he met Miracle Man once, although he doesn't remember the details. They reach Caxton, who lives in a London-style brownstone set in a cave. Caxton invites them in, explaining that he retreated after too many people came to see him down there. There's a reference to Superman's Fortress of Solitude. We learn Meta Maid was at the New York party for a young Miracle Man and had run into the demolisher there. Caxton tells his tale. He was the first to be chosen by lottery to be given powers with eventual plans to give them to everyone, which never happened. He then tired of being a superhero and asked Miracle Man for some gold kryptonite, something to take away his abilities. Back to Dickie's dreams with Kid Miracle Man saying that Dickie is the one to finish what he started. Dickie tells him in the dreams to go away, which he does. We get penciled pages from the original attempt at this issue at the end.
1: Junkyard Joe, number three from Image Mad Ghost by Johns, Frank and Anderson. Muddy Davis gets a visitor. New neighbor Sam Munn, who awkwardly tries to mention that his daughter is an artist too. Davis is distracted and slams the door on him. He is hiding that the actual junkyard Joe is doing his laundry. Cut to the Munn family trying to find things in the packed boxes. The kids are not happy about the move. Davis watches Joe clean up the house, asking him how he found him and where has he been. Joe shows him a clipping of Davis' retirement. Davis checks Joe's dog tag and it just has a stylized V logo on it. Meanwhile, the kids go to their new school. A mean girl attacks Emily, the artist. Son Will gets into a fight. Older daughter Grace is bullied for having a Gucci bag. Dad is unhappy, too. His new job sucks. Joe has now plowed the driveway, and when Davis drops a cup, Joe goes crazy. It seems like PTSD. Davis calms him down. Emily stormed out of the house after a big fight and sees Davis comforting what looks like a soldier.
2: Now, Mark, I have to say... This is not a book I would have ever picked up on my own. And when I said you were doing a good job of picking things out, this is one that I was talking about. This is so good, but again, I would have never picked it up.
1: Well, that's great. I appreciate that. AnnouncerBot, how can the
0: folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Call us at 614 321 That's 614 321 sfp back to you, Mark.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.